Hi, this is Brennan Davis from Bedrock Games and the Bedrock Blog, and I'm here with Adam and Matt to talk about Goodfellas. This is the story of Henry Hill and his life in the Mafia, covering his relationship with his wife Karen and his mob partners Jimmy Conway and Tommy DeVito. That's the IMDb. It does not at all capture. I mean, it's accurate, <laughs> but that's like the worst synopsis of Goodfellas I've ever heard in my life. I just I'm really enjoying the, the IMDb entrance because it's giving us a chance to comment on these these uh, these synopses. Inadequate. Uh, yeah. That, that's just that's just pitiful that, that that's like somebody did not watch the movie or they watched it and they found it to be grueling and didn't appreciate it so they wrote you know they, they wrote as sterile of a description of the film as they possibly could um what goodfellas is famous for is getting you into like the bowels of the mafia it's like it, it's like real street level it's probably the or one of the most authentic depictions of the mafia and it's also, I think, arguably, somebody might say The Godfather, but I think this is the best mafia movie yeah. ever made. I would, I yeah. mean, it's my favorite movie. So you know, um, and also, it's 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 impact. Like if you watch The Sopranos, it's like there's a ridiculous number of actors that were from <laughs> Good, Goodfellas that have roles in The Sopranos. I think it's like seventeen. It might be more. Um, and it's and it's it's also it also had a huge influence on the writing of that show. That was. One of the one of the reasons he wrote the show was was because of Goodfellas. So yeah, uh, post nineteen ninety, if you cast any kind of mafia person in a movie, you just looked at the cast of Goodfellas <laughs> yeah. and started there. That yeah. was uh, the way it worked. But it it was definitely like like did, and and this is something that um that the guy who wrote Sopranos talked about. But if you look at like Godfather, that's a great movie. Don't get me wrong. Yeah. It's, it's very removed from reality in a lot of ways. It's much more stylized and much more. Those are very refined gangsters and it's got an operatic quality to it. That's mm -hmm. not what Goodfellas is about. Goodfellas is much more in the dirt. You feel it, it, every element of it feels like a real kitchen table, if that makes sense. It just has a much more, I don't know, like just a much more authentic yeah. vibe to it. Whereas, uh, you know, Godfather feels like that was still a period of time where there was not a whole lot of understanding about the mafia. It was sort of based on, you know, like the Balachi papers and things like that, like things that like information that was coming to light. But you can still tell that there's like a a distance from the um, and, and yeah. maybe not just that. Also, I think I think Mario Puzo was was trying to do something higher with Godfather when he wrote it, because it does have this sort of mythical quality to it i'm not trying to knock the godfather i'm just saying that goodfellas is a way different movie and to me a much more uh, it, i can watch the godfather like once every 10 years but goodfellas is a movie i can comfortably watch once a year if i want to i probably watch it every two or three years yeah uh, even without getting into the mafia angle of it i mean as someone that lives in new jersey it's just like these like the characters, it just feels very authentically Italian American yeah. in a way that in a way that the Godfather doesn't. Yeah, yeah, it's, yeah. I uh, would agree. It's just, well, the God—it's like Henry Hill cooking his food and stuff. It's just like, yeah, yeah. I, 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 I totally, I totally, totally see this. Just so many little details. Well, no, and growing up in an Italian family, <laughs> I would say the same thing. It's very, yeah. uh, it's very like when they're making the sauce and all of those mm -hmm. things. When they're, uh, when they're eating, when they're the the, the 
the way that food is so at the center of everything that they're doing. (laughs) Um, And also the the attention to detail, like stuff like he put too many onions in the sauce. I know exactly (laughs) what he means by that. You know what I mean? That's, that's, you know, there's there's one pot of sauce for everybody in the family. Mm -hmm. And if, if the person making it likes to put too much onion in or whatever, I even try. Remember the the scene where he's doing the garlic, where he shaves the garlic down. I yeah. used to try to do that with a razor blade after seeing the movie for years, and I never got it to liquefy in the pan. So I don't know if I was doing it wrong, or if it's just an impossibility based on cinematic deception. <laughs> but uh, but but the thing is, it does feel like when they go to his mother's house, the uh-huh. way that they interact with each other. It, it's it's obviously a mafia movie, but it's also very much about you know like uh, Italian American families and and um and italian american culture and you can feel that and the godfather's about that too but it also has characters that just feel really out of place for that for that environment right like even even marlon brando he's not italian and he comes on like i love him in in that role but he's definitely nothing like any of like Paulie, the older Paulie Italian feels men. much more convincing as a as 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 a as a mafia boss type person yeah. to me than it's like he feels it's like yeah I I I mean not like I said just he just he just has such a, an authenticity to him. Well, down to like the the pizzeria that they're operating out mm-hmm. of, right? It's just the the, the envi- like all of the environmental yeah. stuff feels a little more appropriate. His mannerisms feel more appropriate. The way they interact yeah. with each other feels more appropriate. I, I I do think that's true. And again, it's not knocking Godfather because I think Godfather is no, trying to do something. No, good movie. Yeah, it's just doing, yeah, as you but, say, it's just a different kind of movie. That, uh, but uh, but yeah, so I mean, we've kind of already jumped into the conversation. We barely, <laughs> I guess, for those who don't know, Goodfellas. Yeah. Uh, it, it came out in 1990. It was a it was a pretty big deal when it came out, um, and it's it's really I think I I don't know if it's considered Scorsese's best film, but it's definitely like in his top three. I consider it his best movie, but yeah, I'm sure there are favorite. people that it's your favorite too. Matt, what, what's your feeling on that? Like, where would you rank Goodfellas? Yeah, I think it is his best movie. I think he's in total control. Yeah, with that movie, it's yeah. um, the ending was just. Um, it's it's ooh, one of those movies you don't even need. To, yeah, I would say it's his best. One of the things I like about it is people. You don't need to know a lot about filmmaking to know that the craftsmanship is there. And this, like, you'll hear people all the time who they they're just regular folks. They don't pay attention to like the details of how a movie is crafted, but they'll talk about the craft of this movie because yeah. it it sort of stands out. Um, and it, it and it doesn't it doesn't stand out in a way that feels I don't know what the word is like sophomore. It's not or anything. overly flashy. Yeah. There's like yeah, it's like when a movie is directed in a way where the director's trying to wow you and they're doing tricks mm. for the sake of like there's a lot of flashiness to this movie, but it's all earned. It's all to a yeah. purpose. Yeah, like everything. Oh, go ahead, go ahead. No, go. No, I'm I'm done. Go ahead. I mean, I was just gonna say like from the old like the I mean the obviously it begins in the middle. But that scene where they go back to him as a kid and the first thing you see is like his eye and just that uh-huh. way. I've never seen an eyeball shot like that before in a movie. I'm sure he's <laughs> referencing some other movie, but it was really intriguing. And it also really plays into the idea of this being a film through the eyes of that character. But you're kind of getting it at a skewed angle. It's not the normal perspective. Yeah. You know what I mean? And then just all the other things, like you were saying, the editing one that people often talk about is when he's making 
the 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 dinner and he's doing the drug runs and the cops are after him and everything's yeah. edited so tightly and the narration is like it sounds like he's had eight cups of coffee when he's narrating it and it's just very well, it's yeah, the editing's <laughs> almost choppy at that point it's just mm. it just just in a way that it's 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 a little bit off almost which really mm. gives you that feeling of being frazzled and and paranoid it's fantastic and of course, the scene where they go through the Coca Cabana, mm -hmm. you know, the, the, you know, that's that's mm -hmm. obviously very famous. Um, mm -hmm. Actually, my favorite part of that scene is the fact that they they literally <laughs> like met they mat a, a table materializes for him, and they put it down. <laughs> that's the, that's the part of that scene that always impressed me. Um, yeah, yeah. But uh, but yeah, it's it's perfectly shot. It's got it's it's great use of music. The the I, I mean, I I have heard people complain about it, so I not I know not everybody's a fan, but I really like how music is used in this movie to kind of give you a sense of time and place, but also mood. Like like when they're killing Billy Bats, and it's play, what's the name of the the song, the Beneath the Ocean song? I can't remember the uh, uh, Across the Sea or what am I doing? I, <laughs> yeah, I can't remember the name, but you know I what I'm talking about. Across the Sea, I think. Uh, but it's Bobby but Bobby does... Darren's song, I know. But I uh, let me look. Yeah, you. Uh, but the, but the point that I'm making is it it, it atmospherically the sound beyond the sea beyond, beyond the sea. The sea. Thank you. <laughs> I knew I had it slightly off. Atmospherically, it works, but it's also <laughs> invoking this idea of sleeping with the fishes that yeah. is. In the back, yeah. of your, you don't even realize it, but it's like worming its way into the back of your mind. And it applies both to Billy Bats and to them because they're crossing this line that is potentially going to get them into trouble. So, you know, just yeah. those kind of touches are, <laughs> you know, what, what make the movie so great. Um, so, yeah, I don't know. I don't know where we want to begin with our proper just now that we've kind of just sort of plowed into, you know, or stumbled into it. But um what was everybody uh, did you guys see this in the theater when it came out or did you guys see it after on video what was your experience with the movie no oh. i i started college in 1990 and that i i, I we were actually matt and i talked about this i was like i just i, I only saw three movies that year and <laughs> they were okay they were they were nightbreed total recall and uh, Miller's Crossing. Those were the okay. only movies I saw in theaters that year, just because, you know, college kind of threw me off my usual uh, weekly movie watch that I used to do in high school. Matt, how about you? <laughs> yeah, it was in the theater a very short amount of time. It did middling business. And I knew somebody who went and saw it, and they talked about it and such, but I didn't see it until it was on video. Okay. Yeah, my, I didn't see it in the theater either. I remember I was in, I think, seventh grade when it came out. And my teacher, Mr. Martino, my like homeroom teacher came in. And he was like, guys, I just saw Goodfellas. And it was <laughs> the best movie ever. And so that was like the first time it got on my radar. And then I went to my cousin Justin's house, like, I don't know, months later when it first came out on video. And they had that it was like that double VHS cassette type deal. And they sat yeah. us down in front of the TV and put Goodfellas on because we were the kids or whatever. And I just remember the moment that scene comes on where he says, you know, like, as long as I can remember, as far back as I remember, I've always wanted to be. A gay. That was the thing that, like, sucked me into the movie. Um, yeah. It's... And then I was just transfixed by it. Um, and but it wasn't until years later that I realized how good of a movie it was, because at that time I was just interested in the character, the story. You know, I didn't have a deep appreciation of 
the visuals of film as a medium. And I didn't really know who Martin Scorsese was, so I didn't really understand much of the context of the movie. Um, but, you know, obviously years later, I, you know, through repeat viewing or whatever, you got more of an appreciation. Um, but yeah, I, I, I think this is just a, I, I don't know, I, I, I read the book too. It's been a long time. I read the book, I want to say in like 2009 was when I, I read it. I did too. What did, you, what did you think of the book? <clears throat> it's excellent. It's probably the bit on the mafia, Italian mafia that it, it exists. You know, it's all true. He was on the witness protection program for uh, turning on his old buddies. And uh, I think he's Irish. He was Irish American. Henry Hill died not too long he's, ago. He's Irish. He's half, three years ago. He's half Irish, half Italian, I believe. Yeah, yeah, his mother, according to the movie, at least his mother's yeah, from so. uh, Sicily. Well, his mother's family's from Sicily. I'm, they bring yeah. that up. I'm pretty sure that's true. Let me look him up, though, just to make sure I'm not getting that wrong. Well, yeah, I, I'm going by the movie. I don't know if there were any uh, liberties. I think, yeah, yeah, it's, yeah it's, the, it's the same as in the movie. Um, yeah. His father was yeah, Irish. Was, his mother was from Sicily. It's the same. Um, but, but yeah, that, that I think. Um, yeah, the DVD, starting with the DVD. Oh, sorry. Starting with the DVD, they they had put on a commentary track with Henry Hill and uh, Nick Pelleggi. Okay. So you can find out what the differences are. Oh, that's mm. okay. I haven't heard that before. I have I I I I've seen interviews with him and I've seen interviews with Nick Pelleggi, but I haven't um I haven't I haven't heard that commentary track. I think that uh um what's interesting to me about the movie and the book is I've I. He he apparently wrote another book that doesn't have that kind of editing, and I took a look at it, and it's it's kind of a mess. And so it's very interesting to me that like it it shows that there was a lot of skill that went into taking those interviews with them and turning them into the book Wise Guy and making it so readable. And the same with the movie, you oh, know what yeah. I mean? You, it, it, uh, but but like you said, it's based on reality. They changed some names. They changed. Um, I think Jimmy Conway was really Jimmy Burke. And Paul Cicero is Paul Vario and Tommy DeVito, which is, I think, the, the weirdest change because it immediately brings Danny DeVito to mind. Uh, yeah. It was like Tony D, T Tommy DeSimone. The other big difference is Tony, Tommy DeSimone <laughs> was like six foot two or something in real life. Um, so he was this big giant guy. But I think that for the movie, making him be more like Joe Pesci actually worked out really well. I think that was the right choice. Um, yeah, it's probably Pesci's signature performance, really. So, so I guess one thing I wanted to talk about, because I do have a lot of notes on this, was that this kind of came out in like the Wonder Years era of voiceovers and nostalgia. <laughs> and I know in other other episodes of our podcast with other people, we've talked about voiceovers. And I think for younger people, there is this narration is considered bad by a lot of like I'm noticing that well, it always it always has been to an extent. It, I mean, the thing is, it's, it's something that it you is careful in using because it's usually terrible. It's just, okay. it's, this is, you know, I mean, it's, it's one of those things, you, it's an ingredient you want to be really careful in adding to your movie. And it's like, yeah, Scorsese pulls it off in this, but. Well, I, I, I would say I, I don't quite feel that way. Like I, I think that narration, I mean, obviously you can do bad, just like you can do bad music and you can do bad 
dialogue yeah. and debate anything. Well, yeah, uh, yeah. Um, but I, but I feel like narration. It's part of the medium, just like uh, it's part of the soundscape, and it's it's one of those things where I grew up in an era where there was a lot of narration on television, on movies. Like there were Woody Allen movies that had stuff like this. I can't remember the name off the top of my head. It might have been Radio Days, but I might have the name wrong. Um, there were a lot uh, Christmas Story. There were a lot of movies that really prioritized the narration. The narration was part of the art of it. Um, yeah. And so when I go right. back to a movie like Goodfellas, it's like doing that at the highest possible level. Yeah. Um, Remember, though, it already there already were, were a lot of examples of hatred of, yeah. of, of, of you know, like, you know, Blade Runner was one. People complained about the voiceover in Dune and all well, of that. Well, Dune, Dune, I get. Dune, I understand why. Yeah. It's done very well, weirdly. Those are both bad. Those are both, um, yeah. those are both yeah. terrible I, voiceovers. I but, haven't uh, seen Blade Runner in a long time, so I can't comment on that one. Um but the I mean, point, I don't mind the, the Blade Runner one is that because it was made afterwards by the studio, it's negating what's happening in the scene. It's like, you know, okay. like the, the final voiceover. I never understood why he did any of that. It's like, wow, the movie was a total waste of time. I'm sure that I mean, there are plenty of examples of my life. <laughs> there are plenty of examples of it done badly. I'm just saying, I think it it, it often does add to it. Like again, the Wonder yeah. Years wouldn't have worked without the narration. Or um, no, it, that, it generally. I mean, the thing is, voiceover. Ninety percent of the time, someone uses it. It's because it's a crutch. It's like mm -hmm. I can't figure out a way to tell this story, so I don't know. I'm just going to have someone explain mm -hmm. it to the audience. Or it's or in the case of Blade Runner, it's the studio going. People won't understand this. Let's explain yeah. this to the audience. But uh, but if it's yeah. part, of, but if it's part of the foundation of it, which I think makes yes. it like in, in the case of Goodfellas, I think one of the reasons it makes sense is the book is written that way. If you read the book, it's like, oh, this I, sounds a lot like the movie. You know what I mean? It's I got was that. about to say books are often they give you a chance to put the narration in there. Like you actually yeah. get to hear the writer's voice, which I think books are often an exception to the, the no narration yeah. rule. But yeah. Uh, and, and that's, and I think that's generally true in this case where you get the voice of Henry Hill in that, yeah. in that narration or, or Nick Pelleggi. I don't know which one of them is more responsible for this, the, the style of that, of that book. But, um, yeah. cause I do suspect there was a lot of editing and crafting <laughs> going on in there um yeah. but i i guess i guess the uh uh the the thing that that i found interesting this time watching it was just how crucial that narration is to to think the, the again like that scene that we were talking about earlier where he gets more agitated in the narration you can hear his voice kind of speeding up and it's matching uh -huh. the stuff on screen it, it, <laughs> it it's really the thing that pulls you in like i said the thing that drew me into the movie was him saying you know that he always wanted to be a gangster and it's like the way he says it and also the the juxtaposition of so the movie starts in the middle which in this case i think was a pretty brilliant choice where they're they're, yeah. they're taking billy bats out to be buried and he's not dead yet he's still in the trunk and they hear it they, they think they hit something <laughs> or whatever and they pull over and it's the juxtaposition of this really violent execution of the still alive billy bats where they stab him and then they shoot him and then he closes the trunk and he's like, oh, you know, that's when he says it. And it's just it's it's it really kind of gets it sort of I think the heart of this movie is. But I know, Matt, we had I saw that there was some reference to this in the chat, but I didn't really quite ca catch it because I was in the middle of something. Um, 
but there's this this glamour of of the mafia that Martin Scorsese obviously has an attraction. Oh shit! Do you know what I mean? Like there's like a yeah. He find there's something appealing about it to him, and and I can appreciate that. Uh, but there's also grew, in the back of his mind, but it means you little. Have, what was that? He grew up in Little Italy. He saw those guys yeah. up close. Yeah, yeah, that's what I'm getting at. Is that he? So, it's, it's, it's something that he saw, and he. Um, but but what I'm saying is he had this um, attraction to it, but he also understood that it came at the cost of his soul. And so, like, that's, that's the part that makes it a fascinating movie to me. Because it's still, yeah, uh, it's like I said. Yeah, I agree with you. It really pulls you in with the attraction, and then hits you over the head with how bad all this stuff. Yeah, how it ultimately <laughs> destroys you. I mean, it's fantastic. Because I mean, yeah, a lot of times with cautionary tales, they're too too wary of actually pulling in the attractive side of it. And it's like, yeah, this, it really, really works on both angles here. Yeah, I agree. I agree with that. I think that, um, I, I, and it also, it, it doesn't do the thing either where like a lot of times, it, you know, they, something about the way that it shows how his life falls apart is not done in a way where it feels like <laughs> he doesn't get his comeuppance, really. Do you know what I mean? It's not like he goes to No, jail. he gets away yeah. with it. He, yeah. gets, he gets <laughs> with the witness protection. Yeah. But, but yeah, I mean, the thing is, I mean, honestly, it's it's almost the, the witness protection almost <laughs> saves him to an extent. Because yeah. it's like his, his he's, he's like on coke. He's all like. He's, he's just falling apart. He's in a really bad way leading up to that arrest. It's uh, it's it's, yeah. it's fascinating. But yeah, because one more part on the narration too. I think I think one reason the narration works is this is a movie. You know, there's always a thing about too much exposition. You get into a science fiction a lot. You know, it's like oh well, a lot of exposition is bad in science fiction or whatever. It's like explaining things, literally explaining it. But this movie is someone explaining things to you it's yeah. like that is at the core of the movie is i am yeah. going to tell you what life in yeah. the mafia yeah. is like so it's the, the exposition isn't it, it's not clunky because that this movie is exposition as much as anything yeah else. that's a very good point and it's yeah. a world that we don't get to see that kind of we don't get a glimpse into that world like that it's not something no. where they're writing oh. books about what they well now they are but back not. then it was very difficult to sort of see that you know yeah, um, yeah. This is if you want if someone wants to know about yeah. the mafia, this is like one of the first things you look at. You're like, go yeah. watch Goodfellas and move on from there. Yeah. That's yeah. <laughs> the other thing I like about this movie too is the foreshadowing that it does. It does mm -hmm. a lot of very and so mm -hmm. like there's a lot of it, like a yeah. lot, a lot. But the two examples that really leap out at me are. Number one, uh, when they're when they're the, the the I'm funny how scene where the story he's telling is about how he is uh, he is being yeah. questioned by the cops and he's not giving them information. And then when 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 Henry is sort of, you know, uh, you know, busting his chops again with the, you know, you're funny thing. And he says, I'm not so sure about you. You might fold under questioning. It foreshadows that he will fold under questioning. But there's also yeah. a scene that I almost never noticed before <laughs> where the restaurant owner is talking about how Henry knows everything about the restaurant business. And he's trying to convince Polly that he'd make like, a, you know, he can he yeah. can handle everything. And he says, if he spends any more time here, he'll be a stool. And it's like, OK, that's obviously like a, a foreshadowing. <laughs> stool. Like, that, like there's just so many little things like that. 
and it's done yeah. very artfully. You know, just the yeah. just the opening scene too. It's not obviously they're doing they're doing a flash forward to show you oh there's going to be drama and action. Get wait wait till we get past this mm. section with him as a kid, but. It's also that is a very as you say that's a very notable murder. That's them burying a made man that they have killed. Yeah. This isn't just it's it's a very significant scene. You don't really <laughs> understand the significance of till much later, and that's what well, leads to Tommy getting killed and everything basically falling apart at the end. So yeah, yeah. And, and it's also at a yeah. time when I think a lot of people didn't know what being made even meant. Really, like it was no. like was, you know. So it, it, it's 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 a very interesting introduction to the idea of it. Um, I mean, they mentioned it in The Godfather and stuff like that too. But I I don't feel like I, when I first saw it, I this was the first time I really kind of was exposed to that as a concept. Um, yeah. But yeah, I I you and guys, I, I, you guys want ahead. to know what the difference between those? Yeah, between, you know the difference between The Godfather and Goodfellas is The Godfather is bureaucratic. Is it a syndicate? But Goodfellas is the soldiers' level. Yeah, the guys yeah. who had to go out and do the dirty work. You see. Yep. And there are guys the that are, and, and Henry Hill, someone that's never going to get made. It's like it's never going. He and Jimmy, yeah. they're outside. They're never, never going to rise to the top. It's impossible. Yeah, he's so, always going to be an associate of the mob. He's never going to be the, in. Yeah. Yeah. And 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 not even the guy who actually almost becomes a soldier of the mafia ends up getting shot when he's being inducted because it's, you know, it's, uh, you know, so, you know, it, yeah, it, the other, the other thing this movie does really well, uh, Donnie Brasco also did it really well years later. Like they kind of took that idea and ran with it, but this was the first movie that made me super paranoid about the idea of somebody being whacked in a, in a mafia movie, like in the, mm -hmm. in the Godfather, you could kind of see, that sort of thing coming and it was it was done in a very dramatic way but this was the first movie where it's like you at least for me i'm sure there were other films but the first movie i remember where it's like a guy goes and sits in a car on his way to get some pastries and somebody just stabs him in the back of the neck very nonchalantly and it's like whoa yeah. what you, and they're just so casual about it it's it's very uh it's it's very disturbing but also it really amplifies all the tension and the fear and this idea that 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 becomes very important in the movie, which is once once they target you to be hit, you, it could come from any direction and you don't know where. And there's this super paranoia about it that uh, works very great on the screen. Your um, best buddy. Yeah, your best buddy. They could be offering you some some swag in the side of a building. Mm -hmm. you, know, you, know. Yeah. you know what I like about that? So the scene where the yep. wife goes and she runs away because she thinks that Jimmy is going to have her killed. Yeah. The thing that's fun about that scene is you don't like. I've I've watched that scene a lot, and I'm always wondering, is he really going to kill her, or is that the thing that triggers him to decide to have them? Work? I know, I know. It's uh, right. it's so amp the ambiguity right. of that scene is fantastic. Because it could be. I mean, that, yeah, we'll that could, it looks like both. It looks we'll like what know. I would expect. You know, stolen. <laughs> clothing to sort of be you know these two big guys with boxes but it also looks like they were there to kill her so you don't you don't really know and and it's and 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 uh and jimmy's behavior during the scene is it could be read either way as well so yeah the, the, uh, yeah but uh but yeah so um 
I don't know what other scenes should we be discussing here? I want to make sure we cover everything. Um, what about the scene where she goes to the building? Well, oh, go ahead, go ahead, Matt. Uh huh. Oh no, no, go for it, man. No, I was just gonna say, you know, the scene where she, where the girlfriend, the it's girlfriend's good. apartment, where she goes there and she tells everybody there's a whore living in apartment two. Yeah. That that scene, I don't know why, but I always felt like that, that something. It just feels like an important scene in the movie to me, and I feel like you feel like Karen's anger yeah. and her hurt feelings in that scene. Do you know what I mean? It's a, yeah, uh, and it's like it's like over the top. Like she's really ruining this woman's day, but it's a very understandable sort of moment for the character. Um, yeah, very much. Oh, yeah. So. And it and it becomes important too because I think that the next scene is when she's holding a gun to Henry, and I think if you didn't have that scene preceding it, <laughs> it just wouldn't have had the power that it has as a scene. Um, no, but I also yeah, like no. that the gun scene. So in the following scene, she's holding the gun at his face, and when she's first dating him and he gives her the gun, she talks about how the gun turns her on. Like like most women wouldn't. Mm -hmm. They would, they would like, they would stop dating the guy because he's like dangerous, <laughs> or whatever. And she's like, I have to admit it, turn me on. And then, if you notice, that scene is very sexual, the way that it's depicted. Like, there's a, there's a sensuality to it. It's not like anything happens. Yeah. But it's like she's in a very dominant position initially, and she's holding the gun to his face. But they're very clearly showing her legs. Like it's like a yeah. very, and then, and then she's much more submissive after that when he gets the gun. And it just had, again, it's shot in a way where it's like, okay, this is obviously meant, there's like some sexual undertone to this scene. And so I, I think that, again, that's like <laughs> artistry of the movie where they take that scene with the gun initially and sort of bring it to this scene. Do you know what I mean? Where, I don't know, it, I, I, uh, I just, you know, stuff like that in the movie, I think is very, uh, again, another reason why it's just so well made. Um, but uh, that's perfect. Well, it's also it's also kind of a scary scene because she you don't know if she's going to kill him. And his reaction is like the, yeah. the, the thing I like about his reaction in a scene like that is you get the feeling like he's this kind of guy that is very street smart and sort of is, knows how to survive. And he just has mm -hmm. the correct reaction to her holding a gun to his head mm -hmm. so that he yeah. can so that he can diffuse the perfect. situation. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's part of how the psychology of the movie makes sense. I think all of the psychology in the movie makes perfect sense. Well, I do. Yeah, I think I think uh, in terms of like the character, because like, the care it's it's it the care the movie characters the characters in the movie they they're they're often very larger than life but they are based on real people so even like the tommy devito character crazy as he is the real guy is even worse if you read up if you read the Pelleggi book like the, the, the scene the scene with spider is horrible but in real life i guess he was walking through the park with henry and he saw some guy that he knew for whatever reason i don't know if the guy owed him money or whatever but he said hey henry watch this and he just walked over and murdered the guy um mm -hmm. which i mean it's just you know and it's you know that's that's Jesus even more Christ. crazy than the spider scene. And the spider scene is like the heart of of the movie in a lot of ways because that it highlights Tommy's psychopathy, but at the same time, it's sort of the 
it's the central scene where after that scene, that's where it's like a pure descent into hell. And before that scene is kind of like all the glare. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so I, I, but I do think yeah, you're right. I think wiped I think, away. What was that? Yeah, all the glamour is wiped away with those scenes. Yeah, no, I agree, and it's and it's funny because it's sort of like the the social club is kind of the heart of um, of the glamour itself. Do you know what I mean? So like you have the the earlier depictions of the social club are there's so many more people, there's so many more tables, there's so much more gambling and drinking, and then it's this one little room, and it's just them. You know what I mean? And it just feels like the world is tightening up. And, yeah. and 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 the scene where they do things yeah. like dispose of the body of Billy Bats and they have to go back and dig it up. It's all very hellscape like there's like red lights from the tail light sort of shining on them as they're digging into. You know, it's just very like, it, like I, kept, I kept I've been reading the Inferno and I kept trying to think if there were any connections to it just because it's and I couldn't really think of any that weren't superficial and meaningless. But this this. But it's very clear that this is like a movie where they're 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 on a it's it's about I know Adam I've I've often sort of put you you guys have had to put up with me having these pet theories about characters really being dead or in hell in movies. <laughs> uh, but this is a movie where he obvious it's obviously about his soul and it's obviously about a, a figurative descent into he's not literally in hell, but it's a metaphorical hell that he's descending into it. It's and it's potentially an actual uh, mm -hmm. loss of his soul in the sense that he's you know committed all these sins um yeah a guy in my gaming group just got done reading inferno this week so i can't get away from dante anywhere now <laughs> it's uh it's, it's everywhere. <laughs> go ask him maybe he can think of some points where he connects to i'll do that i'll do that <laughs> yeah another thing i noticed this time that i never noticed before is i'm when sure it does cutting... somewhere I mean, it probably is. Well, one thing I thought of is Paul Cicero. They changed Paul Vario to Paul Cicero. Cicero does appear in the the Inferno, but I couldn't I, really extract any meaning yes. from it. He's in limbo in the Inferno. I'm like, <laughs> I I can't find a connective line between that and Paul Vario. Um, but another scene that I I, mm -hmm. I really liked was uh, and I and I hadn't noticed this in prior viewings was when they're cutting the cocaine in her apartment. They're using the, the two cards that they're cutting it with are a six and a king. And I thought that was somewhat significant oh. because he, in black, he, what was it? Yeah. He was, he was coughing. Yeah, I noticed too. Yeah. Okay. Well, what's interesting about it is in blackjack, what I've always heard is that if you get 17, you're supposed to hold. And so being one number shy of 17 mm. means you can't hold. So you always have to keep hitting. And that's kind of what he's doing in the movie, you know, and and if you're hitting at 16, that's the right thing to do. Yeah. But it's also yeah. a lot more risky because you're right up on that line of where it's still pretty easy to go over 21. So I, I, I don't know if that's why they put the six and the 10 there and six and the king. But I thought it was interesting that that, that kind of detail was in there. Um, yeah. And it's, that's, a, that's a good theory to me. Yeah, I mean, it does kind of play to the character because that is his personality. He is kind of always take. I think we lost Matt there. Um, I think we did. We'll continue without him for now. But uh, um, see if yeah, can... uh, uh, he's back. back. 
Are you back, Matt? Yeah, the cat stepped on the computer. Oh, okay. <laughs> well, that's a first. I don't think we've had that before. Um, <laughs> yeah, no, I, I think you're probably onto something with the card thing. I mean, even if your theory isn't exactly correct, I doubt uh, this kind of movie. I doubt. I doubt there was. I doubt it was just random what cards they used for that scene. It just doesn't. It just seems yeah. likely there was a deliberate choice there. Yeah, e- even if it's not blackjack, and I'm off. I think yeah, it's it's definitely. Yeah important in some way yeah um, but uh but yeah i, I did think that was yeah. fun. and and um i do like that it, again like his personality is like that throughout the movie where he's just kind of always hitting um mm-hmm. you know, whereas if i were him i would have been holding a lot more you know what i mean like the moment Charlie <laughs> said to me don't do don't touch the drugs i would have not touched the drugs it i would have yeah done done yes they yeah. all they all touch the drugs, Brendan. They all yeah, touch I the know, drugs. I know. I know. They all touch the drugs. But Polly told him not to, is my point. You know, was, and and that's the thing that ultimately gets him in so much trouble is the uh, is the, <laughs> the potential that he's gonna go away for so many years and so they think he's gonna rat and that you know it's just a you know a lot more risky. Yeah, but yeah. I, I suppose he probably didn't have much choice. Like he probably wouldn't have been able to be the earner he was if he wasn't involved in the drugs. So you know, yeah, and then and then he would have had trouble on the other end. So, I guess that makes sense. Um, yeah. yeah. Well, there's one set of rules for the bosses, and there's one set of rules for the soldiers. And Polly might have even been slinging drugs for all we know, and they're pretty egregious, so it's likely. Yeah, and Polly was a captain, I think, in the um, in this movie. Right. Uh, but uh, but yeah, no, that's probably true. And and also the movie does a really good job of illustrating that because, you know, like Karen doesn't quite get it. Like she thinks there's a rule and then he's suddenly breaking the rule or whatever. But he sort of understands how they have to be flexible in certain situations and not follow the rule to the letter in order to survive. And so there is this sort of weird double standard that they all kind of know about and accept. But then if you get caught, it's a pro- like like, for example, when he asks when he asks uh, Henry about the murder of Billy Bats, and Henry doesn't tell him anything. Apparently, something that would often happen in real life in the mafia is if the boss asked you to to, to tell him about somebody who did something wrong like that, if, if you had said, oh yeah, no, it was Tommy, Tommy killed Billy Bats, they would have gone and killed Tommy, but they also would have killed you for ratting Tommy out because that's considered a bad, so you're sort of in an impossible situation where you, <laughs> you know, um, and I feel like I feel like you can sort of see, even though it doesn't ex- it doesn't explicitly state that in the movie, you can see that logic underlying, like like Matt was saying, the psychology is very believable. You understand that there's a thought process going on with Henry where he's doing all these things, and it's not necessarily just simplistic. We need him to do that for the movie to work. It's it's a real there's like a reality to it. Mm-hmm. Um, but. Uh, there was another interesting thing. There was a, I never noticed this line either before. Ancient traditions. I'm sorry. It's ancient tradition. It's pretty old. Yeah, the the um, the Omerta and all that. Um, but uh, yeah, I, I. How old is that? Really? Like, what, like how? I know it goes back to Sicily and like. You know, a bunch of wars that happened in, I think, like the 17 or 1600s. Let's go back further than that. 
Yeah, well, they trace some of, in a way, they trace the mafia back to the history of the Roman family, Potter Familia. So it's it's old. A lot of the traditions, at least, are old. The um, yeah, one of the one of the um, there's a there's a line in they kind of do it in a goofy way, so it doesn't quite land, but it ties to what you're saying. And the Sopranos. I, fr- I think it was the first season. I could be wrong, but there's a there's a scene where they say something about Rome, and somebody and the guy that they're I think they're about to kill him or do something horrible to him, and he's like, "Well, where's Rome? Where are the Romans now?" And they say, "You're looking at them." And I always felt that the way that they shot that scene just kind of made it feel <laughs> a little bit goofy. But I always I did appreciate sort of the the connective line that they were making to that. Um, yeah, where, you know, it does. There's kind a of, truth. Yeah, there's a truth to. And also the feudal nature of the mafia, like you, you know, like you were saying, like the Potter Familia, and also the way that patronage worked, and the way that they have tribute in, uh, you know, where they, they have to pay tribute to Polly, um, you know, stuff stuff like that. Yeah, you know, you can sort of see. Um, that was another thing I really yeah. did like about it. They, 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 they you really understood. You you could watch this movie, and I go, we're all kind of gamers, so I think it's fair to discuss gaming you can watch this movie and very easily without watching anything else kind of run a street level mafia campaign and get and yeah. you might not know all the details but you would have enough material that would be gameable yeah well, it's funny actually one of the movies i did see this oh, yeah. year was miller's crossing and that like greatly influenced my role-playing mm-hmm. game campaigns uh, going forward but yeah there's two movies from this year that really had a huge influence on how i ran things the um the uh, the other thing I thought was interesting yeah. they mentioned they mentioned the airport thing and all of the um, yeah all of the all of like the how they used to they would hijack the trucks and all that and they mentioned they mentioned this particular shrimp and lobster and I thought that was interesting because my grandfather when I was I guess he he would bring back shrimp he used to work at the tunnel the Boston Tunnel and he would come back from work with shrimp and when the, oh, hey. when his wife would ask where it was from he would say it fell off a truck. And so uh-huh. my mom told me that must have meant that he bought it from somebody <laughs> like like they were buying the cigarettes out of the back of the truck. Um, so, you know, I just thought that was kind of fun because like, oh, yeah, I, I guess I guess that was like a, a, a real thing. I can't imagine buying lobster out of the back of a truck. That seems, <laughs> that seems like a really bad recipe for <laughs> You know, yeah, it's sold. They talk about the lobster selling fast. I'm like, well, I'm glad it's sold <laughs> yeah. fast. That's. Yeah, there was there was another detail I noticed this time around that I thought was kind of funny. Uh, I I never realized how significant it is that Henry is really kind of stuck between two worlds in this, where he isn't part, he isn't accepted by the mafia because he's not fully Italian, like he's not fully accepted by them. He's also not fully accepted by Jimmy Conway. For being Irish, and there because there's a line where I think Billy Bat says, "Get yeah. those Irish hoodlums a drink," and 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 Jimmy Conway says, "There's only one Irishman here," so he yeah. doesn't acknowledge Henry as Irish, which I thought was interesting. Yeah, um, that struck me as well. And I I always felt that's why Henry's eyes. I think that's why he cast Ray Liotta because his eyes are the thing that kind of set him apart from the other gangsters. Like he has the I don't know what color his eyes are. They're like blue or green or hazel or something. But 
they look like more Northern European or something like that. Like they just kind of stand out. And I think that's why he draws yeah, attention dude. to them when he's a kid. Yeah. And then a lot of the shots of Henry when he's an adult, the, the eyes kind of are highlighted in some way. Do you know what I mean? They just kind of stand out in the, in the shot. Um, and it's kind of a reminder that he's not like, yeah. you know, he's not Italian. Like, I mean, I know that there are Italians with different colored eyes, but I just mean, it's not, you don't associate that as strongly with being Italian as being dark haired, dark eyed. Um, right. And obviously if you're from Northern Italy, there's more blonde people and all that. But, uh, but still, I thought that was kind of interesting. Um, because I, I really hadn't noticed that line before. And I was like, wait a second, he doesn't consider him an Irishman. That's kind of interesting. Um, but yeah, I, I think, uh, I don't know, should we talk about the Tommy Jets scene? Huh? What were you saying, Matt? It was kind of rude of him to say he was the only Irishman in the bar. Yeah, no, I agree. I agree. As a, as a as a person with Irish heritage, I would be I would be a little bit and so I've, I've but I understand why he did it, you know, like and I just and I and I think it was it's a credit to the movie because it's so subtle that I, I've seen this movie year and year after year and I never noticed that before. And so it was kind of like a new component to the film for me this time where I never really thought of, oh, He's and also the other thing I noticed once I noticed that because I went back and watched the beginning again, there's a strong similarity between um, Robert De Niro and the guy who played his father, like like visually they both look very similar. Yeah. Um, yeah. So you know, so I thought it was kind of notable for that reason. Um, but yeah, I don't know. The, what about the Tommy death scene? The uh, the famous. I'm being made. It's my big day. And uh, I, I remember how surprised I was when I first saw that scene. I don't know if, if other people were not. I, I was fooled by it. I don't know if other people saw it coming, but I was so shocked when that happened. Um, I was suspicious. I don't suspicious. know. I mean, what okay. could, yeah, I mean, just just and being such a loose cannon, too. I mean, I just I you know, they just there's just so many. I'm just like, this guy is such such bad news. I was just I, I you know, obviously, that's the fact he did kill a made man. But just on top of it, I was like, I don't know. They're they're pulling this guy up to the top. That's uh, he, he is. He's very much the guy you only want as a foot soldier. Yeah. <laughs> well, I would agree with that. I just totally bought. I remember. I mean, again, I was yeah. in seventh grade, so I don't know how I would have viewed it if I watched it for the first time when I was like 18 or something. Yeah, that's but, true. I, I didn't see it till the mid 90s. So I was I was uh, definitely older. But I distinctly remember sort of you're just following them go into the room and then they go in the room and you're like, wait, something's off. Boom. You get shot in the <laughs> yeah. And so it's like you have the same reaction that he has the moment before he even has it, like before he even says, oh, no, you know, something's wrong. And that's what I really love yeah. about that scene. Yeah. And you don't know what it is. You just know it looks off. Because <laughs> oh, it's shit. Yeah. <laughs> and it's so violent, too. Like, it's a really violent, sudden death. Um and and yeah. it's funny because he's so terrible, yeah. but he's also weirdly very likable through the movie because he's kind of a jokester. So it's like you have this weird feeling when he dies where there's a sense of relief, but also a sense of sadness over it. Like you, you feel bad for him. <laughs> um, 
And you feel bad for his mom because they made a point of putting that scene in where he has this like nice little moment with his mom when they're going on their way to bury Billy Bats. And she couldn't and even so, have an open casket funeral. Yeah. I mean, that's 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 how I really felt bad for the mom. But. Yeah, that's mean. <laughs> Pretty cool. But, but yeah, so... <laughs> Yeah, so I don't know, any any other bad character. What was that? He, he was a bad character as a person, but he was still a human being, and you could argue he was trapped within a bad system. Well, I guess it's the question of, and Sopranos does explore this, but I, and I don't know that Scorsese would have been thinking this at the time because it wasn't really like a big topic the way that it was when The Sopranos was made. But if Tommy was a psychopath or a sociopath, and I guess the difference being that a psychopath is born and the sociopath is made by their environment. And so yeah. it, it does seem to me what, what I was looking at the earlier scenes yeah. when he's a kid, you do get the impression that he has more of a conscience yeah. when he's younger. So I think that you're right, Matt. I feel like maybe he was produced by something that happened during his development after that. Because good. What was that? Yeah, they, they ruined him. Yeah, they ruined him. People like Paulie ruined him. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, well, I mean, the thing is, too, with everything with him, it's just he just has this really deep insecurity. That's that's where everything yeah. comes from, yeah. which is, uh, it's like you can kind of see he is, <laughs> at some point in the past, it's like victimhood is really, really where all this, he's just got this, this well, rage from that. Well, and again, obviously it's a deviation from the real person, but in the movie, he's really yeah. short and he's living in a, he's, he's, ex, he's operating in a world of tough guys where violence is the thing that governs everything. And yeah. you can imagine how that would make him feel insecure and he would need to prove himself, e- even just as a matter of survival. Like maybe, like to us, it makes no sense that he would murder Spider in that way, but maybe he took it very seriously when Jimmy said, are you going to, are you going to let him get away with that? Because if he did, maybe he felt that Jimmy would actually sort of view him differently. You know what I mean? (laughs) Jimmy should have known better. I mean, the fact is that Jimmy, it's like, what what did Jimmy really think he was going to do? It's like, he knew Tommy. It's like, it was, it's if he didn't want to shoot him, that was, that was really playing with fire. And and in fairness, I don't know that the behavior was strategic. It does seem more like a character flaw than a strategic sort of way of being. But it did work up until the point that he died, where people would just kind of leave him the fuck alone. Like Ray Liotta yeah. is, is his best friend, it seems, but he's terrified of him when he's joking about him saying he's funny. Like there's like yeah. legitimate, that is like one of the most tense scenes in the movie. And yeah. and and you thoroughly believe that 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 uh that tommy could you know just pull out a gun and shoot him or something so um yeah i I, it's like i saw this movie for the first time and i didn't see it for many many years and i actually blurred those two scenes together the Mm. the you know are you you know how am i funny scene with the one where he shoots the kid it's like i i actually kind of completed those two for for a while i think they mirror uh, each other a lot i think they do they do i blurred them into one scene where it was like i was thinking he had that conversation with the kid then when i watched it again i was like oh wait no i'm misremembering this movie well, it's even a literal mirror because he's on the other side in that other scene, right? So in the first scene, he's on the left, and the second scene, he's on the right, right? Yeah, so you're right, like a, actually. 
yeah. And and Spider kind of looks like Ray Liotta. Like it's not that like he's pretty close to him visually. So I think it, yeah. it makes a lot of sense. Yeah. And also Spider played Christopher <laughs> on uh, The Sopranos, which I'm sure most people mm. know. But uh, and there was a callback to the foot yes, shooting yes. in The Sopranos. Um, <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, so I don't know. I mean, it's unbelievable. Yeah, I've been trying to get a Sopranos uh, episode up off the ground for ages, and it's just been impossible. Uh, we did, uh, we did some Sopranos episodes back in the day. No, we talked about it. I don't think we ever did. Did we? Yeah, I, yeah, yeah. We we were, sure? we, we were in a couple of episodes. Yeah. Somehow we trailed off into yeah, other things. Oh, okay. Like we did it. We've done a few episodes of okay. the Sopranos. I'm pretty sure. Many years yeah. back on the podcast. Okay, okay. I had a slightly different memory, but you're. I think right. I think we may have done that right, right after we did the Babylon Five podcast. Mm. I think we went to the Sopranos after that, but uh, I could have my my uh, details That's wrong. Nice. Well, Sopranos was tricky because. Yeah, I I think. I... Oh, go ahead, Matt. Yeah, I think Scorsese. Yeah, I think Scorsese directed the first Sopranos episode, just like with Boardwalk Empire. Oh, I didn't know that. Um, I'm pretty sure. Check that out. Yeah. See if you can find out if that's accurate or not, because that's interesting if it is. Um, the first Sopranos episode, the first episode of Sopranos stands out too, because it's like a little bit more comedic than the rest of the way the show became, and like the characters aren't quite <laughs> as fleshed out, so yeah. it's just there's like a lot of weirdness to it. Um, no, David Chase directed the first episode. Of I, I did. Did uh, okay. Scorsese direct any of the? I swear episodes? he directed an episode. He might. I've, I'm scrolling through right now. I, uh, I, there was a fake cameo of him in The Sopranos at one point. I think it, was, it wasn't him, but they had like Martin Scorsese like get rushed into a limo in one of the scenes, and Christopher said he loved Kundun. Um But uh, yeah, so I don't know. Is there anything else we want to talk about with Sopranos? I feel like we've covered a lot of the. We probably missed a lot too. I'm sure there are a lot of scenes. Oh uh, yeah, missed. I mean, but uh, yeah, I, I've made my points for the moment. All right, so I think we'll uh, we'll end it there, and uh, we'll be back on. I don't know what movie we're doing next, but we'll be back on. And until then, we will talk to you later.